This is Chicken Philosophy, part 21. I mean, well, that and Carl Jung's Black Books, part 21. All right, I'll talk in a normal voice. I'm choosing to go back into the headspace I had before. It was very nice to be surprised finding out that an old friend I hadn't heard from in 20 years um, was watching. But I also need the headspace of not thinking about there being anybody on the other side of this. So I'm choosing to do that. So if you're watching this, you might as well be watching me like change my panties or do very private things. You know what I mean? Like walking in on a 14-year-old alone with his laptop kind of thing. any sense. <sighs> Some space to process these ideas because I feel like, oh by the way, this, just start there. This is not the one to start with. Uh, go there. If you're really into it, listen to a few and then get bored and go away. So you never actually get to this one. Why are you still here? Come on, get out of here. All right, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You're cool. Um, yeah. As I've mentioned, different, different types of moods you'll catch me in because I have them. I'm going to be on here less in a little bit because I'm going to be moving here and there. And uh, this one I want to record in front of this but I'm not gonna be in front of this quite as much as I have been. And uh, yeah, these black books were his experiments on himself. They're messy. And uh, this is messy. This is messy. This is, this is a little messy these days. Um, it helped, there was a moment a few episodes ago where I was reminded that my goal, or if there is one, my aim in doing this and that, the Buddhist books, has to do more with a place where I want to arrive mentally decades from now. Taekwon Leap is not a path to a door, but a road leading forever toward the horizon. It's also all about the journey. But there's no, like, payoff. This is the payoff. I'm experiencing the payoff right now. So anyway. Anyway, that's just a little bit of behind the scenes. I'll get started. Ooh, it's gonna be a magnifying glass day, isn't it? How do you like the Muzak? Is it good, good Muzak? The 1925 seminar, let's find out about it, shall we? In 1925, Peter Baines prepared an English translation of the Septum Ceremonies ad 
More tools. More tools. Oh, right. I forgot that that's what the septum ceremonies was, was the sermons to the dead. Right. It was privately published by Watkins in England. Jung was not identified as the author. Jung gave copies to some of his English-speaking students. In a letter that is presumably a reply to one from Henry Murray thanking him for a copy, Jung wrote, I am deeply convinced that those ideas that came to me are really quite wonderful things. I can easily say that, parentheses without blushing, and parentheses because I know how resistant and how foolishly obstinate I was when they first visited me and what a trouble it was until I could read this symbolic language so much superior to my dull conscious mind. I feel like I need to read that again. I am deeply convinced that those ideas that came to me are really quite wonderful. Right, okay, well, wonderful things. I can easily say that without blushing, say that without blushing, because I know how resistant and how foolishly obstinate I was when they first visited me and what a trouble it was until I could read this symbolic language so much superior to my dull conscious mind. Okay, I think that makes sense. It is possible that Jung may have considered the publication of the Sermones a trial for publication of Liber Novus. There are indications that he was ambivalent about publication of the Sermones. Barbara Hanna claims that he regretted publishing it and that, quote, he felt strongly that it should only have been written in the Red Book, end quote. While engaged in her transcription of Liber Novus, Carrie Baines urged Jung to do a seminar on the work. It is not known whether this took place. However, it is likely that the discussions at this time played a role in his decision to speak openly in public for the first time about his, his self-experimentation and some of the fantasies in the black books. Toward the end of 1924 and into 1925, he gave a series of seminars in German at the Psychological Club on the Psychology of Dreams. After this, he gave an extended seminar series in English under the title Analytical Psychology. While these were held at the Psychological Club, they were not formally club seminars. Of the 52 members and three guests of the club in 1925, only a handful attended them. There was greater continuity between those who attended Jung's Polsiath seminars and these. There, thus, there was a div division between the locally based members of the club who had only recently readmitted Jung and the more international audience of his English language seminars. In the years to come, the latter would play the dominant role in dissemination of his work. Strikingly, Jung began this seminar by giving an account of the development of his concepts from the time he became interested in the problems of the unconscious. He talked about his intellectual development and his collaboration with Freud. Freud. 
following this with a detailed presentation of his self-experimentation focusing on the initial period October to December 1913. His discussion of these episodes by no means replicates his commentary on them in the second layer of Liber Novus and can be considered a third layer of commentary. The lyrical and evocative language of the second layer of Liber Novus here gave way to his psychological concepts, which he said he derived from his reflections upon these encounters. As he tellingly noted, quote, I drew all of my empirical material from my patients, but the solution of the problem I drew from the inside, from my observations of the unconscious processes. At the same time, his presentation served a pedagogical function. The audience was largely composed of people he was working with, and we may presume that the practice of active imagination played a key part in their work. Thus, he was, in effect, using his own material as a teaching exemplar, showing how his personal psychological typology was portrayed and played out in his fantasies, how he encountered and came to terms with the figures of the anima and the wise old man, and the genesis of the transcendent function as a resolution of the conflict of opposites. In addition, a significant part of the discussion in the seminar centered around modern art and how it could be understood psychologically. The question of situating his own creative work appears to have been in the background of Jung's mind. A few weeks following the conclusion of this seminar on July 6th, Jung went to England to deliver a further English language seminar series in Swanag. Swan Age. In Swan, it looks like Swan Age, but it's one word. Swan Age Dorset. I know it's probably Swanog or something, but I'm going to call it Swan Age. Between July 25 and August 7, the seminar was organized again by Peter Baines and Esther Harding. The subject was dream analysis, and there were about 100 participants. Jung began by presenting a history of dream interpretation. This was followed by an analysis of a series of dreams recounted to him by a 53-year-old widow. And that's the end of that section. I read it. I have nothing to say. Nothing. Zero. Sometimes when I read, obviously like last time when I was reading about the Pueblo, Native Americans, Pueblo, First Nations peoples, uh, yeah, I had a lot to say about that. I got nothing. All right, keep reading Africa. Given this music is awful, sorry, one second. Um, I'll just click uh, that and see what happens. Yes. Oh my god. I played second violin in fifth grade. And this song. <sighs> Something like that. And then uh, there's that part that's. 
it's, you're very fast and it sounds nice, but like practicing. This song is kind of, they're not bad memories. Sometimes bad memories over time, it's just a memory. Like it doesn't evoke any negative feelings anymore. But yeah, there were all kinds of issues surrounding this song. Anyway, all right. Jung, given Jung's phylogenic perspective, a journey to Africa held to be the source of mankind, right, had particular significance. Moreover, the desert was one of the key imaginal locations in the Black Books. For this trip, Jung traveled with H.G. Baines and George Beckwith. Their group was called the Bug Issue Psychological Expedition. Later, they were joined by an Englishwoman, all one word, Englishwoman, all right, fair enough, Ruth Bailey. The trip led Jung to understand that, quote, within the soul from the primordial beginning, there has been a longing for light and an irresistible urge to rise out of its primordial darkness, four dots. The longing for light is the longing for consciousness, end quote. His journey itself became an imitatio, which I believe is imitation, right? Got to throw in a little Latin just to be like that. Of the supposed origins of consciousness, he said of his voyage up the Nile. The myth of Horus is the story of the newly risen divine light. It would have been told after the deliverance out of the primordial darkness of prehistoric times through culture. That is to say, through the revelation of consciousness. Thus the journey from the interior of Africa to Egypt became for me like a drama of the birth of light, which was intimately connected with me, with my psychology. All right. In Jung's fantasies in 1922, Egyptian mythology had played a significant part in formulating the role and the tasks that he, his wife, and Tony Wolff had to fulfill. He gave further indication of the connection between his travels and his own psychology in a passage omitted from the published version of Memories. Here it is. My experiences during the years 1913 through 1917 had burdened me with a tangle of problems whose nature demanded that I should study the psychic life of non-Europeans. For I suspected that the questions put to me were just so many compensations for my European prejudices. What I had seen in North Africa and what Ochwiebiano Mountain Lake. Oh, I wonder how that's pronounced. Ochwiebiano told me were the first clues to an adequate explanation of my experiences. Let's try the old eyes again. Let's see if we can do this here. Come on, come on, focus, focus. Thus, Jung's travels were directly connected to the material in the Black Books and Liber Novus, and formulated part, formed part of an attempt to understand these by placing them within a wider historical and geographical context. 
his statement here indicates that what he personally went through could also be conceived of as a de-Europeanization, extrapolating from this the import for Westerners of the exploration of the collective unconscious could also be conceived of from this perspective. The task was one of teaching a balanced synthesis of the Western and the primitive. Okay, yet you were doing so well. Oh well, I'll just keep reading. All right, that's the end of the section. The section called Africa ends with the word primitive. The Western on the one hand, the primitive on the other. I guess, you know, for 1922, Jung was ahead of his time. But in 2023, it's a little old-fashioned. All right. Transforming, I mean, it was written by Sonu. These are Sonu's words talking about, maybe he's putting himself there in that frame of mind. All right, whatever. I mean, it's a loaded, it's a charged word, you know? Like, prime, prime rib is good, right? Prime numbers, divisible by one, right? Prime, one, first. Primitive calls to mind primate. And the usage and connotations of the word primitive used by Westerners to describe non-Westerners make it a very ugly word with very ugly connotations. And it's unfortunate to hear Carl Jung thinking about it, even though it's Sonu's description. Maybe I'm putting the connotation there. So like Western is secondary. You could look at it that way. It's not first. It's not original. It's not, um, like I was saying, learning how to be human properly. Like, okay, let's make a machine that'll do this for me. Let's make a machine to operate the machine and then let's have people come from the farms and instead of that breathe coal and have their fingers chopped off at the age of four to make sure the machines are cranking out as many tin foil Santa Claus, you know, shit, you know, like that's Western as opposed to prime which is good. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, of course, there's the argument, well, yeah, but like, now we have, uh, what's that, what's that, the thing they always, um, you know, cures and shit, cures to diseases, which of course upset the balance of nature and cause all kinds of other problems, but it's better to live with air conditioning, except that it destroys the earth. And, uh, yeah, whatever. Okay, I'll just keep reading. Transforming psychotherapy. The black books on Libra Novus are, critical, are of critical significance in grasping 
the emergence of Jung's new model of psychotherapy. Right, yeah, that's the point why we're reading this, right? Kind of, also. In 1912, when he wrote Transformations and Symbols of the Libido, he considered the presence of mythological fantasies, such as are present in the Black Books, to be the signs of loosening of, of a loosening of the phylogenic layers of the unconscious, and indicative of schizophrenia. Through his self-experimentation, he radically revised this position. What he now considered critical was not the presence of any particular content, but the attitude of the individual toward it. Hmm. Okay. <sighs> and in particular, whether an individual could accommodate such material in his or her worldview. Right. Yeah. In this moment, actually, also. Okay. Uh, this explains why he commented in his afterward to Liber Novus that to the superficial observer, the work would seem like madness and could have become so if he had failed to contain and comprehend the experiences. I don't know. I think madness that knows it's madness is a little bit less of a madness than madness that thinks, what is it he just said? That it's contained and comprehended itself. Just, just a, a hot take. Maybe I'll revise that position after I read Lieber Novus. I haven't actually, I flipped through it, but like I said, I'm doing this in starting with Phantom Menace order. In an entry of Jan 7, January 17, 1914, he presented a critique of contemporary psychiatry highlighting its in a hyphen itty incapability, excuse me, incapability to differentiate religious experience or divine madness from psychopathology. Maybe because Sorry. If the content of a vision or fantasy had no diagnostic value, he held that it was nevertheless critical to view it carefully. Out of his experiences, he developed new conceptions of the aims and methods of psychotherapy. Since its inception through the rise of hypnotic and suggestive therapies at the end of the 19th century, modern psychotherapy had been primarily concerned with the treatment of functional nervous disorders or neuroses as they came to be known. From the First World War onward, Jung reformulated the practice of psychotherapy, no longer solely preoccupied with the treatment of psychopathology. It became a practice to enable the higher development of the individual through fostering the individuation process. This was to have far-reaching consequences not only for the development of analytical psychology, but for psychotherapy as a whole. Jung attempted to show that the processes described in the Black Books and Liber Novus were not unique, and that the ideas he was developing were applicable to others. To study what his patients produced, he built up an extensive collection of their paintings. 
He would generally ask them to make copies of the work for him so that they would not have to part with their images. He was struck by the similarity between some of the motifs in imagery of the active imaginations of his patients, which led him to consider that the conceptions that he had arrived at through studying his own material were relevant for them as well. In 1929, he described his aim as being one of bringing about, quote, a psychic state in which my patient begins to experiment with his own nature, end quote. Clearly, his own self-experimentation and its results were the template of this therapeutic practice. During this period, he continued to instruct his patients in how to induce visions in a waking state. In 1926, Christiana Morgan came to Jung for analysis. She had read psychological types okay, and turned to him for assistance with her problems with relationships and with depression. In a session in 1926, she noted Jung's advice to her on how to produce visions. Here we go. Change of font size and all that. Well, you see, these are too vague for me to be able to say much about them. They are only the beginning. You only use the retina of the eye at first in order to objectify. Then instead of keeping on trying to force the image out, you just want to look in. Now when you see these images, you want to hold them and see where they take you, how they change. And you want to try to get into the picture yourself. To become, to become one of the actors. When I first began to do this, I saw landscapes. Then I learned how to put myself into the landscape and the figures would talk to me and I would answer them, four dots. People said he has an artistic temperament, but it was only that my unconscious was swaying me. Now I learned to act its drama as well as the drama of the outer life and so nothing can hurt me now. I have written a thousand pages of material from the unconscious. Parentheses told the vision of a giant who turned into an egg. And parentheses. I see leader trying to enforce culty rules outside and having nothing to do with that small group. And it bothers me because of my 18 and a half years indoctrination in the cult that I was in. Shall I interact with it?